Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. You are listening to episode number 62 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds get together and talk about Stargate. And this week, it's Stargate Universe. That's all we're talking about because we are just hours away from the premiere of Stargate Universe Friday, October 2nd on Sci-Fi Channel. So we're doing something a little bit different and I think that people who are watching this site have probably noticed, well, you guys got the the press kit, the, the uh, screeners for the episode. Haven't you already watched it? You've been talking about it. You posted a review. So we're doing a little bit of a cheat, which is we're recording this before we've seen the show this will go live in a couple of weeks but right now it is tuesday september the 15th we've never done this for a show before not this far ahead no so um we wanted to make sure to get this uh conversation out this is sort of our you know we've been watching all the the press stuff since the show was announced at the end of august Mm -hmm. 2008 we've been just uh watching the the machine for publicity the photos and the casting and the press releases and it's all just been generating a, a frenzy of excitement and now Man, I just want to stop and catch my breath. I just want mm-hmm. to say, okay, this is a new chapter of Stargate history. It's about to start. We're excited about it. We just want to see the darn show. What are we looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the wait being over. Yeah, I'm for looking sure. forward to that more than anything because everyone, everyone has been saying their piece about the show, and I've been largely staying away from it. I'm looking for it to being over. Yeah, the big cycle? Yes. Man, this show has been talked about. A lot, and some of it has been great, and some of it has been controversial, which I think we should talk about in a few minutes. And the last thing that I wanted to say before we jump into the main discussion was we're jumping to the main discussion. We're not going to do Stargate news and features this week, uh, and we're not going to do them for a while. We're sort of playing with the format for the podcast, and I've shuffled out the idea of maybe doing a separate little 15 minute minicast, newscast. I promptly excused myself from that particular David's not <laughs> fond of that, so I don't know if uh, the newscast would be valuable to, to people if, if they actually get their Stargate news that way, or if they're just reading it on the site, and and when they listen to the podcast, if you guys are basically skipping past the news section, or, or you've, you've listening to things that you've heard before. So, soon there will be a poll at the podcast feedback thread on the forum, basically asking how you listen to the podcast, and, and if you think the news and site features are worth us continuing to do. But mm-hmm. for the immediate future, for this first half of, of uh, SGU's season, we're just going to do the main discussion uh, in the podcast and talk about the episodes. The main discussion. The title that we've given to this main discussion is On the Eve of SGU. And as this goes out, we are just uh, a little over two days, 48 hours away from the premiere of Stargate Universe in the U.S. and Canada. Just over an hour for me. Once I finish with this thing, I'm walking my dog, and then I am hunkering down, and I am watching. This feels good. Not only has the publicity cycle been going crazy all year long, and especially since Comic-Con, but uh, the show was announced a year ago, August, and we've Mm -hmm. known about it since we got it out of Brad and Rob. A couple years ago. Wasn't it 06 or 07? Gateworld was the one that broke the name, Stargate Universe. We got that out of Coop in uh, spring of 07. Oh, seven. So okay. the show itself, the fact that they were doing this spinoff was, was even older than that. It probably goes back to 06. This has been in the works for a while. It feels great to think about the fact that the next time we talk, 
we will have seen this thing. Yeah. We will have more substantial things to say about it. I've been trying to stay away from the reviews and everything like that. Largely have been succeeding, except when my friends like Kevin Call drop in and say, it's amazing, it's amazing, you know? <laughs> well, you don't want to get your hopes up. My old boss at Stargate Worlds, he would never let me tell him what I thought of a movie before he had seen it because he and I, our opinions on things were very similar. So if mm -hmm. I would go in and tell him that I loved a movie, then his expectations would be increased. Yep. And then he would end up not liking it as much. Yep. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of the people that I talk with online and a lot of my friends is because they have very similar tastes to me. And I just don't want to know. Yeah. I'm just so sick of this whole I, – I know that some people in marketing are going to hate me and they're going to be like, well, that's just the way it works. That's how we get the word out. But I'm sick of the whole machine. I just want to see the damn thing. I don't want to go onto the forum and read people saying, oh, it's good. I'm going to love it. Or I don't want to go onto the forum and read people saying, oh, it's – I'm going to hate it, and I don't want to go on to some producer's blog and have him tell me that, that oh, the finale is going to be a jaw dropper. I don't want to know that. I want <laughs> to find out for myself. Is that too much to ask? It's almost like the spoiler phenomenon in a way. You know, when we read spoilers, we know way too much about an episode going in. and, and too much. Just as a sidetrack, let me say, Stargate Universe, I think, is going to be vastly superior uh, in the sense that the producers have done a better job hiding things, done a better job keeping the casting sides off the internet so that we don't know nearly as much about most of these episodes as we did for SG-1 and, and Atlantis. Man, but that's um, the Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, as, as a spoiler whore, a recovering spoiler addict, I will say, I am glad that I don't know much about this show going in. There's only... Yeah. There's only two or three episodes that we really got any substantial casting sides for, and I deliberately did not read them. Mm -hmm. So um, so that's a good thing. But yeah, what you're saying is uh, similar to, to spoilers in that you don't want to know too much, and you don't want to... You don't want to get too uh, too much of other people's opinions. I know what you mean. It's, uh, you know, it's I don't want to walk in it. with any kind of a mindset. I want to walk in as a blank slate and have those feelings for the show grow from their natural places as opposed to growing on top of some other rock feeling that I already have in my gut. Yeah, and there's there's going to be a natural expectation just from the fact that it's a spin-off yeah. of our favorite franchise. That's uh, enough of an expectation to try and meet. And I, mm -hmm. because I'm a, a generally an optimist, I tend to go into movies or TV shows like this uh, that I'm, I'm kind of excited about. I tend to go into them cautiously optimistic. I tend to be think that they're going to be good and don't get too enthusiastic you know i sort of guard myself so i'm cautiously optimistic in that you know we've been talking for years for longer than this podcast has been going now which is about a year and a quarter uh, about what we would love to see in a stargate show when they get around to doing the next one we would like to see it be more of a character drama uh, more character driven than plot driven uh, i know that that's a drum we've been beating for a long time maybe people are sick of hearing it but, um, you know, somebody pointed out online I was reading last week, I don't recall if it was a member of the forum or if it was somebody else's review on, on air. They said that one of the things that they've always loved about Stargate is the fact that, again, it's us. It's contemporary people like you and me, people that we can relate to going through the Stargate. And um, that's sort of, I think, what... Stargate Universe is hoping to recapture by being a bit more realistic. Towards the later years of SG-1, our characters sort of became uh, invincible, a little bit more larger than life than they were in the early years, and I think that was certainly the way with Atlantis in many cases. The characters were a bit uh, 
larger than life. They they laughed in the face of death a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And if it was me out there going through the gate, I would be, you know, freaked the heck out most of the time. The problem is with episodic television every week your option cannot be to kill one of your main cast members you can't do that but you can wound them but the only way that you can do that is to not hit that reset button at the end of the episode and i think that's kind of what they're going for one episode kind of leads into the next which kind of leads into the next there are beats that follow through each show and that's how you can that's how a character grows it's more than just the season finales and the season openers where there's big change or it should be um something big should happen in episode four something big should happen in episode six and then every once in a while a quiet episode is not so bad because it allows us to know those characters better hey darren and david this is kyle from toronto canada chaos night 13 on the gate world forums from the first trailer Frantic to the latest Comic-Con trailer, nothing has disappointed me yet. In fact, quite the opposite. Every trailer released, every video released, has made me more and more excited about this series. Again, I, I can't take credit for, for these ideas. All these things that are stirring around in my head are things that I've read recently. There was another reviewer who compared uh, Stargate and other shows, like uh, it's been compared already to Battlestar Galactica, um, and Voyager because the crew is sort of out on there and they can't can't uh, get back home out in deep space. Um, but they said, you know, with Voyager, it was very episodic. It was very, uh, you know, the ship remained clean and pristine. Yeah. And there, were, there was reset buttons almost all the time at the end of the episodes. So it's like, it's like they, they uh, didn't quite embrace... The, the... The concept. ...true implications of their premise, of their concept. And... The comment was that SGU seems to have found the sweet spot between Battlestar super dark and gritty and, and almost nihilistic at times, and Voyager, which remains sweet and happy and clean Federation. There's got to be this sweet spot in the middle where our characters can change and grow and get wounded and get killed and have an effect on each other and, and stay mad at each other and sometimes maybe even be villainous. That's what I'm really hoping for. With drama and an organic recognition of its internal continuity to the degree of Lost. That's really what I'm hoping for. If you're going to show us something, if you're going to introduce something, please consider bringing it back or or making it known that the characters remember it. Yeah, there was that, that uh, phenomenon with the last few years of both SG-1 and Atlantis where the writers would write out a character, but not give us the closure because they wanted the possibility of bringing that character back in the future should a good idea come up. Mm-hmm. So um, This is science fiction. This is absolutely the best medium for you to give closure because you can always reopen it later and yeah. invent an explanation for it. Yeah, and you know, maybe that goes all the way back even to season 5 of SG-1 in Between Two Fires, the fate of Nareem was mm-hmm. left a bit ambiguous. And And in that case, I like the ambiguity because our character's they can't stay around for the fight. Uh, Talana's being bombarded from space, and it's it's sort of realistic that we don't really know what happened to them and never will. But um, there are better examples of just, you know, Aiden Ford. Where's the closure? We just have... He seems to have been on the ship when it, when it blew up in the hive, and the characters speculate about whether he might have made it off, and that's it. But Nerus. Nerus, yeah. He had a staff weapon pointed at him from Ball, and then they just cut away. Yeah, and off the grid. I just watched that episode. Like I said in the intro, I'm just ready for it to be over. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for fans to stop drawing their battle lines and start landing in the general positions that they're going to be for the next few years, hopefully. 
Yeah. Some of them will love it. Some of them will really love it. Some of them will really hate it. And we'll find, an, an, hopefully, oh, I hope to God, we'll find another show that they are interested in. Um, because that means that they'll be happy. That means that I'll be happy. And, I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah. Entertainment, as far as I'm concerned. There are enough things in this world to be worried about right now and to be upset about. Upset about. Than a TV show. Well, so let's talk about that. There's There's been a lot of controversy in fandom over the last year. Uh, Atlantis cancellation was announced in a press release. The following day, another press release announced that Universe had been picked up. And that was... Uh, a lot of people took that as, and I certainly understand why, as as Sci-Fi and MGM saying we're getting rid of one show so that we can start the next one. In hindsight, don't you, wouldn't you agree with me that that was one of the worst decisions ever made in terms of strategy? Well, would you have announced them both in the same press release, or would you have spread them out by a few weeks? I would have spread them out by several weeks. Several. Yeah. I mean, it's just an announcement that the show is being made. You don't necessarily have to do that. You, I would have played it much more like, whew, we almost had no Stargate ever, ever again, and we managed to save it by getting them to to accept this new show. I was just having a conversation with one of my friends uh, over, at, over at lunch today about that very thing, and he's as into the franchise as I am, and he says that was a strategically a very bad move to make because now you've got everyone saying that Universe killed Atlantis. Mm. You get the actors who have to of universe who have to put up with those with those feelings, and it's not their fault, you know. When every time they go online and and they and they have remarks pointed at them or remarks pointed at their show, they have to put up with that. Yeah. And granted, it's business, but it's not their fault. Frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of been towing this line, and 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 as the guys who run the site, I'm I'm very committed to the fact that GateWorld should be a place where people can have their voices heard where they can come on and, and share an opinion if they do it tactfully and respectfully of other people's opinions, that uh, they can say pretty much whatever they want. That and by no means means that they can run other people out of town. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so we've sort of... of uh, I don't know, I feel like I've kind of been, been towing a line, and it's been obvious that I'm excited about Universe, and, and I don't hold a Universe responsible for the cancellation of Atlantis. But... Um, I don't know, it's on the eve of SGU, I kind of feel like I need to come out a little bit more, a little bit more vocally and say, I'm really excited about this show, and I'm glad that they that they decided to do it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that its fifth year was probably one of its strongest, but the producers have said again and again, and I, I just heard it again from John Lennox, in an interview, that uh, producing two shows at the same time was murder, was murder on those guys. Uh, and maybe they could have done it if they would have expanded their operation and hired more more people, more more crew. I don't know. That's uh, for speculation. But they're in the best position to decide. We can't do two shows at the same time. So with that on the table, I would rather end Atlantis at five years and see SGU now because I'm ready for a change. And I think the franchise needs it. I think that the franchise needs it. I need the change. And as Michael Shanks said when I was with him this year at at Chicago, you know, a lot of fans are saying that you're insulting us by changing the format so amazingly. And Michael and I share the same opinion on this. I think the greater insult is to expect your audience to accept the same old thing. Yep. That is the greater insult than to treat them as thinking 
human beings who occasionally need a change of pace because they should not expect us to watch the same old thing for the rest of the time. That is an insult. So give us something new. And they yeah. are doing that. Yeah, just reiterating the same the same thing over and over again uh, with, with different faces, I think, is a good way to drive a franchise into the ground. Um, Star Trek tried to mix things up. DS9 was a very different show from TNG. Mm-hmm. Enterprise was a very different show in, mm-hmm. in a lot of respects, but, but in, I think, many more respects, it sort of stuck to the same formula. So, yeah, it's got to be different. I think that Stargate is is at a fork in the road, and, and it's either going to go one way and mm-hmm. continue the iterations of what it's been doing, which is, again, it's it's great storytelling. It's It's my favorite franchise. It can go that way and drive itself into the ground and mm-hmm. and uh, be canceled by Sci-Fi Channel, and then MGM has very little motivation to to try another show a few years later. Oh, I know. Risk. If if Universe is not successful, you and I, my friend, are screwed. Doesn't have the profile that Star Trek has, where you can you can give it five years and then get a a big director and throw two million dollars at it and yeah. do a big theatrical relaunch of the franchise. Mm. Um, Stargate doesn't have that sort of cultural cachet. Or you can take the other road and you can do something that's very different because uh, you, a show cannot survive on its core fan base alone. Mm-mm. And that's a sad fact that I think a lot of Stargate fans are not recognizing. A mm-hmm. franchise, Stargate in any form, cannot survive with just, just its us. core fan base. Just us. It's, it's got to have a broader appeal. So you've got to reinvent it. You have to have the Carlisle fans. You have to have the Lou Diamond Phillips fans. You know, those all are helping this equation. Yeah. You've got to reinvent it and try and grab a new audience. Richard Dean Anderson had a huge audience, a huge following. A lot of them stayed with us after he uh, left. A lot of them left. A lot of them left. They weren't interested in a mm-hmm. Stargate without Rick. And Ben and Claudia brought brought new fans with. They sure did. I think Jewel brought a couple with her, but yeah. Hi, Darren and David. Shirt and tie here once more in Ireland. I think to keep me interested in Stargate Universe, it has to follow, I suppose, the familiar elements of the Stargate franchise, which is uh, teamwork and also the use of the Stargate itself. But also something slightly edgier and darker, from what I can gather, is going to be the hallmark of Stargate Universe. Uh, I look forward to seeing the same stunning visual effects, the good storytelling, and the great acting to which we've become accustomed. But I sincerely hope that this will be the same but different. Um, best wishes to all, and thanks again for the Gate World Podcast. So, yeah, the controversy is out there. A lot of people, I think, are going to watch SGU just so that they can bash it, um, just so that they can talk about how awful it is and it's not true to the vision of, of Stargate. They're uh, more than welcome to give those comments. I think that our favorite franchise is reaching a new point in its maturity, which is... Mm-hmm we've always sort of been a happy family. And then mm-hmm. Atlantis came along and it ran for three years along with SG-1, same time. So there was no hard feelings about cancellation. Some people were just SG-1 fans and just Atlantis fans. Uh, although a lot of people started watching Atlantis and, and didn't necessarily take interest to SG-1. But uh, with a third series... It's it's again it's like the arrival of DS9. It seems to me that that was the point in Star Trek fandom where you started having more of a of an intershow rivalry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's just going to be the way it is with Stargate. It's just going to be a fact of life from now on. Yeah, there's always going to be hopefully, hopefully there will always be two Stargates in production, one on one front and one on the other. So they're not in, in direct conflict with each other anymore with the DVD movies. So we'll see. 
yeah, hopefully those get made. All I know is that either way, this pilot is going to be entertaining. Uh, I know it's going to be worth my time to look at it. The only reason that it wouldn't be worth my time to look at it is because I would want to be able to say, no, I'm not going to watch it. That's the only reason that I wouldn't want to look at it. What other reason would you not give it a chance? I can understand not watching a show for 20 episodes that you don't like. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Turn the thing off. But to not give it a chance? All you're wanting to do is make a statement. Well, I think you're in a much better position to make a a statement against the show if you can say that you watched it. You can't say, I watched 10 minutes of this and then turned it off because it was so bad. Yeah. You've got to watch it and talk about it for what it is. I don't watch a show like uh, America's Got Talent or Tripping the Rift because uh, I can see, obviously, that they're not my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like reality TV. I don't like uh, talent show stuff. So I can see the argument that a lot of people make. You know, I've, I've read all the interviews and I've seen the trailers and it just doesn't interest me. That, that, that's fine. If it's too dark, if it's not capturing your attention, that's fine. Then I, I would suggest that those people go on their merry way and find another television show that they do like. If you've decided mm-hmm. that SGU is just not for you, I'm not sure why you would continue to, to stick around and badmouth it. But there are some fans, you know, there are some corners of this fandom that are exclusively that anymore. They stuck around for what they wanted to to see, and now they stick around for what they don't like to see, and they all get together and have a, a little cesspool party about it, which is the strangest thing as far as I'm concerned, because it's not the kind of personality that I have. I don't like dwelling in misery, and there are certain fans out there, they're like pigs in mud. You know, they love wrestling in mud. A, they get dirty, and B, they're pigs, so they like it. That's just not me, and it's not the kind of form that I want to make at Gate World Form. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, now switching gears a little bit. What you do know about the show, you've you've seen the the cast, you've seen the character descriptions, you know the basic premise. You've watched the trailers, you've you've even met some of the cast members. Uh, uh, eight out of the nine. Almost all of them, yeah. Uh, I've met a small handful so far, because I didn't get to go to Comic-Con. So what you know about the show and the characters, when you sit down and watch this thing, do you feel already like, oh, there's, there's one or two particular characters or particular elements that I'm going to watch? particularly closely from a completely neutral standpoint of just meeting her ming na Mm -hmm. ming was so amazingly genuine when i met her at at comic-con she was genuinely excited to meet me she knew exactly who we were i mean as as can as you can tell from this happy 10th anniversary gate world comment that she gave us uh and she was so giddily excited about the project i'm really going to be watching her Brian J. he has almost no film resume, and they keep on featuring him very prominently mm-hmm. in a lot of footage. I think because I've seen some of his work, and I think he's going to blow people away. I think he's going to be the silent one who's really going to grab you when you're least expecting it. Robert Carlyle, I've deliberately stayed away from him yeah. uh, because I want to save him for this. So I, the, people say that he's a great actor, and I want to see that great actor first on Stargate. Yeah. So those are probably my three right there. What about you? I thought originally, uh, I, when they announced Robert Carlyle's casting as Dr. Rush, my intention was to rush right out and, and watch Full Monty and Train Spotting, And mm-hmm. um, I I didn't do it, and then you and I started talking about that, and I, I sort of came around and said, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. This, uh, this show is going to be the first time that I see Robert Carlyle and his okay. acting. Um, 
but as far as those those characters that have sort of already caused me to uh, to uh, lean forward a little bit and, and watch is uh, Louis Ferreira as Colonel Young. Mm. Um, this guy's uh, I'd never heard of him before. He's done some stuff uh, in in Canada. I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was in in one of the early teasers. Uh, the first time that they use this voiceover line from uh, from Air, where he says, "We are going to make it home. We are going to survive." Mm-hmm. And they've used that in a couple of the trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just that one line delivery made me sort of sit up and say, "Okay, this show is going to be different. Not that the two shows that came before didn't have good actors in it, but uh, this show is going to be different." And I'm going to watch Louis Ferreira because uh, mm-hmm. he he looks. Like he's like he's a, a really great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe's another character that I'm interested in. Uh, she was uh, attacked from the moment the casting sides first hit the web, and we got the first character description. She's sort of a spoiled, a rich girl, senator's daughter. Um, well, let's it, face it. You, you're turned on by brunettes. Let's face it. I like brunettes. I think that uh, <laughs> I'm married to one. Uh, and I think that Elise Levesque is lovely, and I'm looking forward to seeing her acting chops as well. Uh, not just a pretty face, but uh, it looks like they've hired some just stellar, stellar actors. Uh, but Chloe's character also uh, interests me because she's so atypical for what Stargate is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I don't think she's going to be a knife edge like Shannon was from Lost, you know, where they deliberately brought her in as someone who had absolutely no interest in helping out anyone who was on the island and was only interested in herself. I think yeah. I think though Chloe is brought up in a house of of privilege, you know, the 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 term that you stick in that you guys that you've stuck in my head which I'd never heard before was silver spoon upbringing. I think she doesn't want to feel like a fifth wheel. I yeah. think she's genuinely going to want to help and is going to become a strong character because of that. She's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. She and Eli both sort of seem to be, at least uh, to begin the show, that fish-out-of-water character. Yeah. And um, that's interesting. I, I didn't know anything about David Blue. Um, I haven't watched Ugly Betty. I did watch mm-hmm. Moonlighting, which he had a recurring role in, but I didn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this is another one of those guys who popped up in the trailer and just made me made me sit forward and take notice a little bit. Eli is, is one of those characters that is really easy to do in a kind of cliched way, but if you get him right, then I think he could be he could be very compelling. He could maybe be the next Daniel Jackson. That's not going too far. We'll see if they succeed or not. I gotta tell you, the first time I saw a photo of Elena Huffman who's who's playing Tamara Johansson. She's striking. She looks like a young Amanda Tapping. She has this sultry thing going yeah. on about her. Yeah. She is she is Trisha Helfer. Um, and I hope that she can act like as as well as Trisha Helford did. It's clear when they set out doing this casting that they were looking for really good actors. So not and not necessarily just someone with a pretty face. So the fact that we've got both of that, I mean, I'll tell you what I think in a couple of hours. So we'll see. <laughs> but man, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm also excited about about Mingna because number one, I I grew up watching her on ER. Oh, you did. That was sort of one of our family Thursday night shows. Um, so she was she was the face that I recognized the most when they announced the cast. Did, did, had she done a lot of VR? Yeah, she was a regular for several years. I just cannot say enough good things about her. She was delightful. 
Well, yeah, and she's been on Twitter for a couple months now and, and has been interacting with us, which has been a ton of fun. She just comes across as a total sweetheart. But the character, Camille Ray, is a human resources manager for the IOA, <laughs> which is like the the most annoying character description you could you could probably come up with. She's a bureaucratic bookworm. She's yeah, she's bureaucratic. She's uh, think about all the worst characteristics of all the IOA characters we've seen yeah. over the years. And uh, that's kind of the way she was written in in the the few pages from the script that I did see for Air. Uh, when they first come through the gate, she's got her head full, and she's I won't I won't spoil it anymore for you. But um, we learned very quickly after that, that that they decided not only to keep her around but to make her a regular. Yeah. She was originally just going to be recurring. She's a regular yeah. because the actress is so fantastic because she was doing great things with the character that that made the character really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, and she's a lesbian. See, <laughs> and she's a lesbian. So we're going to see more and more and more of Camille, I think, more than just we see in Air. I think she's going to be sort of a a, a guest star in Air. But um, yeah. she's going to be one to watch as the season goes on. I, I always was a fan of Shen Xiaoyi. I didn't agree for, with her standpoint about the Chinese government getting their hands on the Stargate program. But I, I could understand where she was coming from. So I think this is going to be really interesting to watch another female Asian IOA representative. Yeah, there's this really interesting dilemma that we're going to see uh, as one of the sub subplots, subtext throughout the series, is who's in charge? Yeah. Who? Uh, all these people are butting heads because nobody who is really on the destiny was supposed to be on the destiny. Are you saying that there's uh, there's no kind of Jack Shepard that rises to the occasion? I don't know the answer to that. I think that it's uh, it's going to be like look at uh, Locke's character on Lost since you brought up yeah. Jack Shepard. He was uh, silent and kind of funny at the beginning. You know, he didn't he didn't talk for, I think, Several until the episodes. end of the pilot, maybe, was his no, first No, he line. didn't speak in the pilot. He didn't speak in the pilot. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Over the course of, of a couple of years, he sort of rose up uh, and became a leader in his own right and a challenger to Jack. And uh, I think that what you're going to get is, is a similar dynamic right off the bat. You're going to have two or three or four people contesting leadership which is really interesting there's there's a military presence but there's the chain of command is not really there in the same way there's a weird mix of civilian and military so who's in charge who gets to make these calls final thoughts i hope that this conversation gets other people excited as excited as i am because um again after a year plus there's not much more to say i it's, think it's time to sit down at yeah. uh 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, 8 Central on Friday night if you live in the U.S. and watch the thing. Let's see October what 2nd. it is. We've 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 talked up its merits. We've uh, expressed concern about uh, some elements. Some people have, have trashed it without having seen it. Let's all sit down together and watch it and see what it's like. I don't expect my opinion to carry much weight with anyone who listens to the show in terms of whether or not they have decided to watch. Anyone who is listening to the show, in my opinion, has already decided whether or not they're going to watch. The majority of the people who are listening to this program, I believe, have already decided that they are going to watch or are uh, sharpening their knives and trying to figure out great ways to stab us and the show. <laughs> and it's just a show. In the end, At the end of the day, it's just a TV show. As my mother always said, it's just your junk shows. <laughs> that was always her term. I gotta get home and watch my junk shows. Mm. Because that's what it is. My stories. It's, it's entertainment. My stories, is that one? Mm. You get home and watch my stories? Mm. It's just entertainment. That's all it is. It's not worth getting your feathers ruffled over to the extent that I've seen 
online, the amount of immaturity yeah. and the vitriol and hatred yeah. has me ashamed. Yeah. It it's, absolutely it's not worth is it. unacceptable. It's not worth it. If your life is that small and insignificant, you need to go out and buy a new one or ask God to send you one for Christmas. It's not worth it, man. I mean, you have an opinion. You have a valid yeah. opinion and a right to it and a right to express it. And that's right to express great. It. And, then, and then move on and find something that you like or, or take a deep breath and give the show a real chance and let it be what it is, not what you're afraid it's going to be. I love this this photograph I have of the internet tough guy, and it's this this teenage boy who ha- puts big words online, and just his entire purpose in life is to make everyone else uncomfortable and unhappy, and it's so easy to get swept away with that, and I've spent enough of my life being tempted to do so, and I'm not going to play that game anymore. I'm just not going to play it. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I think this show looks really darn good. And I hope it is. I hope it lives up to my expectations, because honestly, my expectations have been set pretty high. All the criticisms that I've had against the Stargate franchise over the years, some I've, I've voiced, some I've kept to myself, some I've just shared with you, uh, it really looks like uh, Brad Wright and Robert Cooper, who created this show, really had some of the same opinions and were thinking along the yeah. same lines in terms of what needed yeah. to be different for the third iteration of Stargate. I don't always agree with them specifically in directions that they take, but you know their overall opinion of what Stargate is and where it needs to go has generally been in line with mine, and I didn't necessarily expect that. Yeah, I had a conversation with one of my buddies at uh, Bridge Studios, who's uh, not in the office but down the floor on set, and he said to me, "I said, who are you using for your visual effects?" He says, "Image Engine is doing some of the visual effects." And I said, "Oh, great." He says, "Yeah, it's their feature division." It's doing the visual effects, not the TV division. Mm. I said, wow. (laughs) That explains the quality of the visuals that I've been seeing. The amount of money that they're pumping into this thing is going to be great. Any predictions on how the show is going to do? I think it's going to break records on sci-fi. Yeah, I hope so. I think we're going to see above a three before DVR. That would be huge if it was before DVR. That is my opinion. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, we just reported a few weeks ago that, that Sci-Fi's new summer show, Warehouse 13, bumped Atlantis's record off, and I hope that Stargate takes it back. I hope that Universe beats I'm Warehouse 13. thinking that Stargate will very soon retake that crown, because this is a new Sci-Fi. It really is. I mean, I know we poked fun about, you know, Sci-Fi's going to Sci-Fi. <laughs> the name but, change, and, yeah. But where, Warehouse 13 was a part of their relaunch, and it did grab a lot of attention. But I'm sorry, going from sci-fi to sci-fi is not going to make me tune in for their new show. I still haven't seen Warehouse 13. Stargate has an established IP, and it has actors in it who have established fan bases. So they're going to tune in to see what's up. Yeah, I hope that people are are, uh, excited enough about what they see so far to tune in, even if they've never watched Stargate. Because, I mean, flying around in a spaceship is still kind of a niche thing. I think Warehouse has done as well as it has because it's more mainstream in a lot of ways. Stargate Universe may not be mainstream. I don't know if you've been reading the, yeah. the conversation that a certain person and I have been having tonight, but it may not be mainstream. But I think it's going to do well enough to keep itself alive. Here's the Stargate Universe. Let's go watch Impress it. Impress us. Let's go. Let's go.